right, we're in Proverbs chapter 1, and look what it says in verse 20. It says, Wisdom crieth without, she uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates, in the city. She uttereth her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity, and scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge? Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Because I have called and you refused, I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. But ye have set it not on my counsel, and with none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. And here we see wisdom. It's like it's speaking to young men. And what we can learn from this passage is wisdom is available. You know, we call it today, often we use the term common sense. That, you know, if somebody would just put two and two together, it's not hard to figure out it's four. And a lot of times... People, you know, if they, you know, if they would just use a little bit of common sense, they would see that just wickedness and immorality, that it's not profitable, that it's bad. But, you know, because we have this sin nature, we have this sinful flesh, it makes it easy for us to ignore the voice of wisdom. And wisdom is crying out. Wisdom screams, stay away from alcohol. But yet people continue to do it. Wisdom is screaming out to people, saying no to drugs. We're seeing, we're, we saw President Biden, he just made, you know, where they're going to let everybody out of prison that was there for marijuana stuff. And, you know, and I get it, it's probably not the best idea locking people up for nonviolent offenses and things like that. But let me tell you something. Just because stuff like that's becoming more and more legal in our country does not mean we ought to be messing with it at all. And I'm telling you right now, wisdom says stay away from marijuana. Wisdom is crying out, and it is so obvious. Stay away from that, but yet people, they ignore it. And it's that sin nature, that sin nature, it's always getting in the way. But thankfully, even though we are foolish, even though we are often bent on destruction, God in his mercy has put up some what I'm going to call roadblocks or warnings. I kind of got inspired this week. I'm getting really tired of this roadblock up here. Uh, you know, it's annoying and they're taking forever to get this road fixed. But, you know, when I was, I was thinking about it as I was kind of looking at some of these things and, you know, for a while you can get around some of those signs and there were some back ways you could go and some of us were doing that. Uh, but the thing is now they got it completely blocked off. But the truth is, I remember one time I rode my bike back there just to see what was going on, what was in the way. And, you know, sure enough, you eventually get to a spot where you don't want to drive. Because if you do, you're going to seriously damage your car. But, you know, it's and, it, and we've probably seen bridge out signs before. Typically, when you have a really dangerous situation, there's actually several warnings. You know, when a bridge is out, they're not just going to put a sign up on the side of the road that says bridge out. Eventually, they're going to, they'll have a sign that says bridge out. But then after that, they're going to have some things blocking you trying to get you to go another way but eventually you know what they typically do they put up some kind of barricade now why do they need to put a barricade up i mean the sign says bridge out so who's going to want to drive over that somebody is going to think that sign doesn't really mean it you know well that just means they're probably working on it. i could probably still get over it and the truth is if they just put a sign up that says bridge out that should be enough but it wouldn't. Somebody would drive past it. Well, I didn't notice. I was texting while I was driving. And so I went past that one sign and I, you know, took my car off and, you know, destroyed my car and I got killed. And then their family's going to sue the state because they didn't do enough to warn them. 
And so the truth is, it's never one sign. There's always many. And God has done the same thing for us when it comes to the road to destruction. Now, understand this message, there's a lot of applications that it could have. But I'm preaching this at saved people today. Because even saved people, we can really get ourselves in big trouble with sin. And listen, you might think, well, you know, I'm not planning on destroying myself anytime soon. I, I think I'm far away from that destruction part. But there, I'm telling you, there's something for everybody here because how far we allow our how how far we allow uh, we allow ourselves to get down this road determines too the amount of turmoil we're going to have in our life. And I don't know about you, I prefer to live my life with with as little turmoil as possible. And so I want us to I want us to recognize some of these roadblocks that God has put on the path to destruction because and God's doing this. In his goodness. He's doing this in his righteousness. He has made it, especially for us as Christians, he's made it, fortunately, not easy for us to go around these roadblocks. If, as Christians, if we are going to destroy our life with sin, we are going to have to jump hurdles. We are going to have to climb mountains. We're going to have to go through all kinds of turmoil. God's not going to let us get there easy. And just like as a parent, if you see your child getting involved with the wrong crowd, getting involved with sin, getting involved in drugs, hopefully you're going to create some turmoil in that house and say, you know what, this isn't going to be a pleasant place for you as long as you're doing this. You know what you're going to do? You're going to start enforcing some rules. You're going to start bringing down some punishment because you understand these things could lead to great difficulty in life. And I don't, I don't want that kind of difficulty. And God, God... He puts these roadblocks up because he's trying to stop us from destroying ourselves. We still have our flesh, so we're still capable, even as saved people, of really making a mess out of our life. And so, again, this is mainly, while there's going to be application that even lost people can take from this, because some of this will apply to lost people, I'm mainly gearing this towards saved people today. And so I want you to notice, in, uh, turn over Romans chapter 2. The first roadblock that God puts on the road to destruction, where you are not going to destroy your life without, uh, with your, you're not going to destroy your life with sin until you ignore this roadblock that God has put up, or a sign, you could say. Not just a block, but a sign, okay? We have several signs before you get to where they actually block the road, okay? And you know what? What they have right now, you could drive over that if you wanted to. You could drive through that if you wanted to. But, you know, the, the smart thing to do is, is just to pay attention to the sign and just do the detour right away. And the first sign, you could say, that God has put up or is he's given us a conscience. God, everybody has a conscience. Romans 2.14 says, For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness in the thoughts of the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. So we see he's referring to even the Gentiles. There's some things that they do just by conscience. Even lost people, they know some things are wrong. Lost people know you shouldn't steal. Lost people know you shouldn't just go killing people. You know, and whenever people, saved or lost, go as far as stealing, killing, you know, immorality, perversion, all these things, they do this ignoring their conscience. 
They do this knowing it's something that they shouldn't do. They do this with a fear in their heart of knowing, I'm probably going to get in trouble for this. I probably shouldn't do this type of thing. And, but you know, one thing that we're all capable of doing is ignoring our conscience. Because, you know, we, and people get good at that. They get ignoring, good at ignoring their conscience. Some people go as far as defiling their conscience. Titus 1.15 says, Under the pure, all things are pure. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. And so people can get their consciences all messed up. There are some people out there that are doing wrong and their conscience isn't doing a thing. You know why? Their conscience has been defiled. Or their conscience too, maybe it's been seared in 1 Timothy 4 too. It says speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. So most people, when they lie, it causes turmoil. It stresses them out. But did you know there's some people, it doesn't stress them out. But you know, it's not because it never stressed them out. It's not because it never hurt their conscience. No, they just ignored it long enough where their conscience got defiled. It got seared with a hot iron. And now they're doing things. They're in a place where they shouldn't be. And they never would have got there if they had just listened to the sign that God put up, if they had just listened to that conscience. And you, we often do. We'll see things people do. It's like, how could they do that? We were talking the other day about the people that stole the catalytic converters off our van. It's like, you know, who steals from a church? People whose conscience is seared with a hot iron. And coincidentally, remember how I said what we should do is like stake it out and then like light them up with paintball guns, you know, if, if we catch them doing it. I watched a video of two guys in broad daylight stealing a catalytic converter. And you know what those two guys did? They went and lit them up with paintball guns. It's pretty awesome. So I don't know if they heard me talking about that. I don't know if I inspired that or not. If I did, good. Uh, and I hope they were the guys that stole ours. But anyway, I don't know where it was at. But again, people, depending on where they're at, what they've learned, what they've experienced in their life, they're going to be affected differently in their conscience. And so my conscience can't necessarily speak for someone else's conscience. First uh, Corinthians 8, 6 says, But unto us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. Howbeit, there is not in every man that knowledge. For some, with conscience of the idol unto this hour, eat it as a thing offered unto the idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. So some people's actions, you know, or some actions would violate some people's conscience where it wouldn't violate other people's conscience. So again, while everybody has a conscience, they're all affected differently. And so, you know, because of that, the conscience itself is not going to be enough to always stop us from that road to destruction. However, if people would follow it, you know, if people would be sensitive to it, if they would not allow themselves to be defiled and to allow their conscience to be seared with a hot iron, they would do good just with that. But you know, when you start doing things against your conscience, just understand you are creating turmoil in your life. And you know what? You could eventually defeat that turmoil. You could eventually get to where you have victory over it and your conscience doesn't affect you anymore. But you know what? We have a loving God and he's not going to just allow one sign to stop you. He's got, he's got some other things ready too. But let me tell you, you're always, I, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but you're always better off listening to the first things because 
The farther down this road you get, the greater the turmoil is. So the second thing that God puts in our way to stop us from destroying ourselves, it's this right here, the law of God, the Bible. Now, did you know there's some things that we shouldn't need the Bible to help us understand, you know, is right or wrong? You know, it's, it's pretty sad that we have to have a verse for some things. But you know, you know why we have to have Bible verses for things? Because people are wicked. And that's what it says in, in uh, Titus 1.9. It says, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for whole, unholy and profane, for murders of fathers and murders of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men-stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. So he's saying right here, the law, it's, made, it's not made for a righteous man because righteous people don't do all these things that he said. But you know who does do all these things? Wicked people. And so we have to have a law. You know, they shouldn't have to have a law against reckless driving. People should just care enough for human life that they wouldn't drive like a maniac. They shouldn't have, there's, you know, we shouldn't have to have laws to prevent mass shootings. People just shouldn't do mass shootings. But, you know, because we have such wicked people in this country, they, they keep making up new laws all the time. As a church, we shouldn't have to have a bunch of rules. But if we have a wicked church, we might have to start making a bunch of rules. We always, you know, Bible colleges often get made fun of for all the rules that they have. And it's just like, where did all these rules come from? And I'll tell you where they came from. came from wicked people going to these schools and just doing all kinds of stuff that everyone knew you shouldn't do this. But yet, it wasn't in the handbook. So they acted like it was okay. And so then what do they got to do? They got to put stuff in the handbook that it's like, really? We, that has to be a rule. And, you know, it's, that's just how it is. And you say, Pastor Tommy, we don't seem to have that many rules around here. Well, let's try to keep it that way, all right? Don't go pushing things. If something's questionable, just don't do it, and then we don't have to make a rule about it. And I don't like doing that. I don't want to have to get a big handbook. I don't, I don't want to have to have a big handbook that we have to give anybody that wants to join the choir to, like, show them all these things about how they have to dress and, you know, no breaking out into break dancing during the song and things like that. You know, we don't have rules like that. But, you know, if we're ever singing a choir special and somebody gets into it and starts breakdancing right during the song, we're going to tell them if you're going to be in the choir, you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> you know, we, and, and the thing is, too, you know, you should just be able to do very general rules, like don't draw attention to yourself. And then that tells you right there, don't start breakdancing in the middle of the song. You know, that tells you, you know, when you're, you know, when you're singing in a choir, you're supposed to be a unit. And I'm not preaching to anybody. Nobody's doing this. You know, it, it's a unit. The focus is supposed to be on the song, but when you have that one person that just decides to start, you know, doing all this kind of stuff, how are you not drawing attention to yourself at that point? Well, I'm not against, you know, praising and stuff like that, but, you know, there's a, there's a time to praise, and then sometimes, too, you're just, you're just drawing attention to yourself. Don't, you know, don't do that. That's not what it's about. And again, nobody's done these things, but laws are for wicked people, and in a perfect world, we wouldn't need a bunch of laws. But because we have a wicked world, we can't function without them. So we do need these laws. And for a law to have any impact, there must be consequences for violating that law. 1 John 3, 4 says, 
Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And a lot of people like that verse because it shows, yeah, we're all sinners. I mean, you know, now I don't have to feel bad about it because we're all sinners. Well, you know what? Actually, you should feel bad about it because of the fact that sin comes with a consequence. And you know what the consequence for sin is? Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. You know what that means? That means you need a Savior. It means you need Jesus Christ. You need cleansing because you're going to pay for that sin if you don't. And you don't want to pay for that sin because you're going to be in eternity in hell paying for it. And I don't want that. And I know you don't want that. And so if, if we're wise, you know what we're going to do? When we read the law of God, when we find out what sin is, you know, we're going to let these things correct us. We're going to let it fix us. We're going to go to God for cleansing. And you know what? We don't even have to like it. We don't even have, or, you know, we don't have to like the laws of God. We don't have to necessarily agree with them. But you know what we do? We understand that's a law. There's consequences. And so I'm going to follow it. And let me tell you something. There's a lot of laws that we have in this country that I don't like, but I follow. And that's, you know, and we need to be the same way, even with the Bible. Hopefully you like them. If you don't like them, try to learn to like them. But don't wait till you like them to start following them. If I only followed the laws that I liked in this land, I'd have been in jail a long time ago. Because there's a lot of laws that I, that I don't like. So we got to, and let me tell you, when you go against God's law, the turmoil is going to get worse. And you're accountable now. You know what these laws are. We do. We have the knowledge of good and evil, and we understand that there is. There's consequences for sin and its death. And so turmoil is going to get worse when somebody's got to show you the law of God, and then you still go against it. Guess what? God's a little more upset with you now because you know better. So then the third roadblock is because you might have seen things like that before. Have you ever seen those? Uh, they'll put those signs up, you know like no speeding in a construction zone. But then sometimes they'll have those signs with a message on it, like telling you what the penalty is going to be. You know, and it's just like 300 years in prison for hitting a construction worker or something like that. You know, we, I, don't, I don't remember exactly what those things say. But, you know, that's kind of showing you what the law is. And that way you understand, hey, there's a real consequence if you do this. And if people don't figure it out, pretty soon what they'll probably start doing is putting up these signs, showing a picture of somebody who's, you're going to be in prison for the next 600 years because he, you know, violated that law to make it more real to you, to you know, help you understand this is wrong. But another thing that God puts in our way to stop us from going down that road is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, John 16, 7 says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that, that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So right there, we see the Holy Spirit. One of his jobs is to reprove the world of sin and righteousness. So not only does he show us what sin is, he shows us what righteousness is. And you know what else he shows us? Judgment. He helps us understand the judgment and the consequences of going against the law of God. He tell, he, he's inside of us as Christians. And he's speaking to us. And he uses the word of God to speak to us. He uses the preaching of the word of God to speak to us. He will even use situations in life, you know, to, to speak to us. You know, a lot of times what he might do to you as a parent, 
You know, he might have one of your kids, you know, misbehaving, not listening to what you say because they just don't understand why. I don't understand why, mom and dad. But it's like, you know, there's some things you can't explain to your kids. You know, you can't, you shouldn't explain to your five-year-old why they shouldn't get in a car with strangers. You know why? Because you'll, there's just some things five-year-olds don't need to know about. You know what I'm saying? You know, I think y'all understand what I'm saying. You don't need to go into graphic detail about what could happen to them if a stranger gets a hold of them. So you know what? But that you do need to teach them, don't get in a car with strangers. They'll do all kinds of bad stuff to you. What are they going to do, Dad? Horrible things. Frightening things. You know, and, and you do. You're trying to scare them, but they, got, they need to trust you a little bit, don't they? They need to trust you. And you know, it's the same thing with, between us and God. There's things we might not completely understand. But when the Holy Spirit's telling you to stay away from it, when He's warning you, when He's giving you that uneasy feeling about these things, just listen to Him. Just listen to Him. And let me tell you, you go against the Holy Spirit... He's going to create turmoil in your life too. Ephesians 4.30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Do you think the Holy, the Holy Spirit is going to let you grieve Him and not grieve you back? Because understand, what He is doing is for your good. He is not just trying to control you because He just has this need to be in control and be the boss. He is doing these things because he loves you, because he cares about you, because he doesn't want you suffering and being destroyed. And understand, when you're a Christian and you sin, it's because you've gone against your conscience, you've gone against the Word of God, and you're going against the Holy Spirit who's with you all the time. You might not always have a Bible with you, but you've always got the Holy Spirit with you. And so understand that turmoil. You know, We have all these Christians today. They can't figure out why they can't find happiness. Maybe it's because... You're grieving the Holy Spirit. And He's trying to stop you from getting to that, destruct, that, that destruction. And it's something that's going to, you know, He's going to make it uncomfortable. How many of you all just get a good, warm, fuzzy feeling when you're driving down the interstate and you hit those rumble strips on the side of the road? That doesn't give you a good, warm, fuzzy feeling. That's annoying. Did you know, too, that's probably not the best thing for your tires. But you know what? And you know what? And I don't like them either. Because whenever I'm driving down the interstate and I start hitting those rumble strips, my wife immediately starts like, what are you doing? She starts back, back seat driving. That's annoying. But it's a whole lot better than flying off the road and smashing up your car and getting killed. And you know, we might not like some of those inconveniences. I don't like the rumble strips that they put before a stop sign. But sometimes we need those reminders because it's really, really important that you stop at some stop sign. Some I think we could get away, you know, we don't need that much. But there are some stop signs you really, really need a stop sign. There, you really need to stop. And so we need to understand it's the same thing. God's doing all these things, and it is, it's annoying. It goes against our it goes against what our flesh wants to do. But God's doing that for a good reason because what your sinful flesh is about to deceive you into doing is going to bring destruction, and he doesn't want that. So he's doing that in his goodness. He's doing that in his righteousness. And he ought to be thankful for it. We should be thankful for rumble strips. Especially when you're driving late at night and getting sleepy. I mean, how many have ever before? That's kind of what woke you up. You're thankful for those things then. So they're, 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 they're a good thing. So the third thing is that Holy Spirit. And anytime 
someone falls into sin as a believer, you did it fighting the Holy Ghost. You ignored him. You went past him. And then the fourth thing, we see authority figures in your life. Okay, children, Bible says in Ephesians 6, 1, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first command with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. God has given us authority figures here on this earth that we ought to follow. Bible says in 1 Peter 3, 1, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they may also without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. And let me tell you, when the authority structure in a home gets out of balance, you know what you have? Turmoil. You know, God put these things there for a reason. There is a structure and a line of command in the home, and you don't want to get those things out of line. When you do, you're going to have a bad situation, and God has put authority figures in our life for a reason. Now, understand too, you know, when you get, you know, when you get to a certain age, those authority figures go away. You end up kind of becoming an authority of your own life to a certain extent, or you can kind of say ahead. You know, as men too, we become ahead of a family. But let me tell you something. That doesn't mean we are now okay to forsake the laws of our parents if they were from the Bible. If they taught you things that were from the Word of God, I highly recommend that you continue following those things. In fact, you're going to be in really big trouble if you don't because God expects something from those of us who were raised in Christian homes. God expects more from us than He does from people who never knew that, who grew up in homes with lost parents who never had that structure and it is it's always a horrible destructive ending for people who grew up in christian homes and then throw all that stuff out after they become an authority in their own life but you know what god he didn't just give you those authority structures or authority figures in your life just so they could feed you pay your bills and all that kind of stuff he did that too so they could set an example and show you what to do when you become your own authority and you better follow that. And so understand too, you know, and I, we're not going to go into all the scriptures. I've got a lot. I still I want to cover on this. But, you know, the Bible talks about not forsaking the counts of your father and your mother when they're old. You know, even when we're older, if the things they were teaching us were from the Bible and they were from the word of God, we should still follow them, even though they're not technically our boss anymore. We should follow those things. God put those authority figures there for a reason. And when, those th- and when you get out of line, when you go against those things, you're going to have problems in your life. You're going to have turmoil. And then an- another thing, too, we see. Now, this is a hard one for people to do because, again, this takes, this takes discipline. Because understand, we have, you know, there's multiple things God instituted. First, God instituted the home first, didn't he? And God made the authority structure very clear in the home and in, a, in the home you know, I don't believe that the government has the right to interfere with the government of the home. I also don't believe, I believe God instituted the church. But I don't believe that the church has the right to interfere with the government of the home. And I don't believe the government, you know, has a right to interfere with, the, you know, uh, the earthly government has the right to interfere with the government of the church. And that's a whole other subject for another day. Everything, everything has their place. But understand... God did institute the church. God did institute human government, and they do have a place. And those things come in when people, you know, you could say, you know, heads of a family unit become lawless 
and start doing damage and they start doing harm. We need those things. Now, as Christians, we ought to be responsible enough, submissive enough, have enough self-control in our life where we will allow, first off, our conscience to guide us, but if not our conscience, just the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, but also the church when necessary. And look what it says in Matthew 18 and verse 15. It says, Moreover, if thy brother trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Now, what's he saying? What's he saying right here? So let's say, you know, we have, you know, brother Daniel and brother Chris, who are both heads of their own homes, but in life, you know, in the community, they have a conflict with each other. Neither of them are the boss over each other. And if they're not responsible enough to come up with some kind of resolution themselves, then a lot of times they might need to bring in another power and another authority to settle that dispute. Now, in our world today, typically people go to court. They go to police and things like that. That's not the best idea for Christians because our government's pretty twisted and messed up, just like it was back then in Paul's day and in Jesus' day. So what they should do, you know, the responsible thing to do would be to, you know, go to the church if they're not able to come to some kind of resolution themselves and then let the church decide what needs to be done. But notice what Jesus said, if they will not hear the church. Now, why did he say that? Because as a church, while we do have spiritual authority, we don't have any physical authority, do we? We don't have the ability to throw someone in jail. We don't have the ability to execute people. We don't have any authority like that. So, but the thing is, we do have the ability to make good decisions. And so if you know, Brother Daniel and Brother Chris, they're having a problem. They can't work it out. We get a few witnesses together. You know, they get a few men in the church. They can't really decide. You bring it before the congregation. You know, those guys ought to both be willing to say, whatever they decide, I will follow, even if it hurts me. Brother Daniel's like, this is going to cost me money, but you know what? I'll submit. That, that's what he should do. Now, hopefully it doesn't get to that point, but... You know, that's the church can be there to give counsel, advice. And if people aren't willing to listen, you know, he said, let him be into thee as a heathen and a publican. And so maybe we have one where Brother Daniel's like, fine, I'm willing to go to the church. But Brother Chris, like, I'm not going to the church. And then people will say, well, then, you know, brothers aren't allowed to sue other brothers. And, you know, that's technically true in some ways. But the thing is, if he's not willing to hear the church, let him be as a heathen and a publican. What does that mean? It means now I've got to treat you like a heathen. And you know what that means? We go to the court system for it. Okay? Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we don't have time to go through this. The Apostle Paul, he's coming down hard on this church because of the fact they're going to law, brother against brother. And not only that, but they're going to the heathen for judgment. And you know what Paul said about that? And, and, here's, and here's what you need to understand. I think legally a Christian could go to court with another Christian, if, you know, and I'm saying legally, biblically, if one's acting like a heathen and a publican and not willing to submit to the church. Okay? Legally, you can do that. 
But let me also say this. Does God, just because God legally allows something, does that mean he wants you to do something? Just because God gives, you know, the people, you hear people talk about God's permissive will. God often allowed Israel to do things that he didn't really want them doing, like having a king. And how did that work out? Not too good. And, you know, Paul said in verse 7, he says, But brother, go to law with brother, and that before the unbelievers. Now, therefore, there is utterly a fault among you, because you go to law one with another. Why do you not rather take wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Nay, ye do wrong and defraud, and that your brethren... You know what? There's a, we need to realize there's a, some things. It should be repulsive to us, the idea of just going to the court for anything. And I get, sometimes people have to. I'm not, I'm not mad at anybody. You know, sometimes you have to. There's just no way around it, but we ought to do whatever we can to avoid it. And sometimes you're just better off taking the wrong. You know why? Because how often do we see anything good coming out of the court system? When was the last time they made anything better in this country? They're ruining everything. So... Uh, I, I'm telling you right now, I think a person is, would be wise and always better off to just let the church judge them before they get to the next roadblock. Because understand, God gave you a church for a reason. And when you're not willing to submit to the church, when you're not willing to listen to what the church has to say and follow the, you know, follow the rules and the standards and all these things that they have put in place and not willing to follow decisions that they make, just understand, you're creating more turmoil for your life. God put you in that church for a reason. You're there for a reason. He's, and he's trying to help keep you from getting yourself in trouble. But a lot of people, they go through all that. There's a lot of young people. They grew up in church. They violated their, they went against their conscience. They went against the word of God. They went against the Holy Spirit. They went against their parents. And they went against the church. They got involved in sins. They, I mean, they, I mean they, their whole life they heard the pastor getting up and screaming, saying, don't drink. Don't do drugs. Don't run with that crowd. But, you know, a pastor doesn't have the authority to physically stop you from doing those things. You know, once you turn 21, you know what? You can go drinking if you want. I can't stop you from doing that. But let me tell you, God put people like me here for a reason to warn you about that, to try to stop you from doing that. And if you want to go past that kind of thing, just understand you've created more turmoil for your life. And as a Christian, too, especially when you do that, when you go through that roadblock too, you know what? God's not just going to let you enjoy that stuff. God's not going to let you enjoy rebellion. And so now you've not submitted to the church. You've not listened to the Holy Spirit, your conscience, the authority figures God put in your life. So now you know who you get now? And God instituted them, the human government. And listen, that's the last place you want to get to. Just always do everything you can to avoid judges police they're there for a reason i'm glad they're there but i don't ever want to need them i'm glad i have i know 911 i'm glad i can call 911 and get help but my goal is to not need 911 you know i i and i do i've had to call police before for different situations and things and i just don't like it when that happens when i have to do that kind of thing i start evaluating some stuff just and sometimes you can't help things but Bible says in 1 Peter 2.13, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. God put government there to punish evildoers, to stop these people who are hurting other people. 
And we ought to be cooperative with that. We ought to be, but you know what? When you resist all these things, eventually they're probably going to come after you. And if you do, if you just want to be wicked, you know, even as a Christian, again, we don't have the ability to rescue, but you want to start drinking and driving, yet all we can do is throw you out of the church. But you know what? If the human government gets involved, they'll throw you in jail. They'll take away your driver's license. They'll make your life way more miserable than we can. They have the ability to throw you into prison. Some places they can even execute you and put you to death. We don't have the ability to do any of that. But folks, when, you're, when you get to the point where you're being so wicked that you're fighting the government, your life stinks at that point. And, and you know, again, we're trying to have a life without turmoil. I want to live at peace. And so the thing is, I'm going, to, I'm going to make sure I don't get to that point where I need the government in my life. I don't want the government. I shouldn't need the government to force me to provide for my family and to pay child support and all those things. You know, a lot of people have to have that. That's a shame when that happens. That should not be the case. And so as a Christian, we shouldn't need the police, judges, lawyers, and all those things. And when you find yourself in that situation, just look at God and say, did I do something wrong? I'm not saying you did. Sometimes we are forced into situations where we have to go to the police, we have to get a lawyer, we have to go to court. Uh, you know, like I said, I've, there's been situations where I've had to deal with some of that stuff, but I always want to try to avoid it. I want to manage my own life. I really do. I want to manage my own life. And you can resist the human government too, but you're only, not, not only are you going to have spiritual tor- turmoil, mental turmoil, but now you're going to have physical turmoil too because of that. What you've mainly faced, up to, you know, you said what you've mainly faced up to this point has just been spiritual, mental, emotional. But now it's physical turmoil. And you know what? Joe, you can fight the government. You can break our laws. You might even be able to get away with a bunch of stuff. But did you also know there's still one final one after that? The final roadblock that you're going to get to is you're going to face God. And it says in Hebrews, turn over to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 26. You do not want to get to this point. Regularly, I tell my kids when there's some kind of argument, do not make me get involved. If I need, this is a dumb argument. If I have to get involved, I'm going to make sure you're both miserable. So you guys better figure this out. And you know, there's some things that God shouldn't have to get involved in. But you know what? He will because he loves us. But when he does get involved, he's going to bring the hammer down on you. And it says in Hebrews 10, 26, it says, For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and had counted the blood of the covenant wherewith it was sanctified an unholy thing, and had done despite of the Spirit of grace. Like you, you rode over the roadblocks. You know, and let me tell you, when we get in trouble with God, and the Bible, he goes on to say it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. And you know what? It's a fearful thing to drive your car off of a bridge. But you understand, when you get to that point where you're driving your car off the bridge, it's because you ignored signs, it's because you went around roadblocks, it's because you plowed through barricades. And yes, now you're falling and that really stinks and you're in big trouble, but it didn't just happen. You begged for it. 
you ignored everything. And you know what? What did it say in Proverbs 1? Because you despise all my counsel, because you would none of my reproof, I put all those things in your way. I was there in the streets crying out. But you know what? Because you didn't listen, he said, I'm going to laugh at your calamity. I'm going to mock when your fear comes. That, and that, he said, that sounds kind of harsh. I thought God's always forgiving and always loving and all this stuff. And God is, you know, he is forgiving. But there comes a point where God says enough's enough. God says, okay, you're going to get it. I, you know, God does punish his children. The Lord shall judge his people. It says in Hebrews chapter 10. And so when Christians fall into sin, okay, when we fall into sin, I don't really like that term because it implies it just happened. I was just walking along one day and then just boom. I just got nailed with sin and I didn't see it coming. No, no we, that's not how it goes. You know, we, we might have fallen. We might have went off a bridge, but it was after we ignored signs. It's about like we plowed through roadblocks and plowed through barricades. It was after we jumped hurdles, after we ignored people trying to flag us down and wave us down. You know, have you ever seen people like that before? Whenever there's a wreck real quick, sometimes people get out of their car and try to slow down traffic. Because they don't have time to put the warning signs and things out. And, you know, and that's kind of how we are sometimes. That's kind of what I am as a, as a pastor. I'm some guy standing there because people are ignoring all the road or the bridge out signs. And sometimes we have to just stand there and we got to do something to get people's attention. That's kind of what we're doing when we go out soul winning on a regular basis too. People are on their way to hell and they don't even know it. I mean, they're, I mean this afternoon, we're going to go and you know what? We're going to make some people mad because they're going to be watching their football game. And we're going to go and interrupt their football game. But you know, the thing is, they're on their way to hell and they don't know it. And we're, and you know, we are one of many things that God is going to put in their life to try to warn them about what's to come. And we need to make sure we do a good job on that. But as individuals, back to us as Christians, we got to understand when we fall into sin, we don't get to play the victim. We got there. For a reason, we ignored the signs, we ran through the barricades, and we asked for it. And as Christians, we need to do the wise thing and just learn to just repent and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and of the Word of God. God will let you get to some really bad points, but there's so much turmoil. The farther you get past those roadblocks and things, the more turmoil, the more problems you're going to have. I would like to be at peace. I would like to be happy. And so what I prefer to do, just listen, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Listen to your conscience. Read the Bible. You'll let those, and you know, you can have a pretty peaceful life if you'll just do that. If you'll just read the Bible, do what it says, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, you know, that can be a pretty easy life. But when you resist, you know, Peter, he, he called out the Jews. He said, you do always resist the Holy Ghost. And, you know, when in that preaching, you know, it was stuff that cut to the heart. You know, it, it caused pain and turmoil. And, you know, I'd like, to, I'd like for Christians to be peaceful people and not have a lot of turmoil. But we've got to start paying attention to signs. We've got to start paying attention to the bridge out signs, the warning signs, and stop going around those things. Otherwise... We're going to be miserable. God put those there for a reason. So let's be sensitive to that. With that, let's pray, dear Lord. I pray this message was a help and a blessing to everyone. I pray help all of us to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Help us to 
uh, not allow our consciences to be uh, or, uh, to be seared and to be defiled, but we'll uh, just always be sensitive to these things and we'll be uh, quick to obey and slow to uh, ask questions and uh, to rebel. And I pray you'll give people peace in their lives as a result and victory. In your name we pray. Amen.